guys. Welcome back. Uh, it's so nice to be here. I haven't been live for like a week. I start thriving. I, I thrive on live. <laughs> I truthfully do. Um, it's way more fun than anything else. And look what I figured out today. I got this other little camera so I can go like this. What are you doing? And I can see you right over there. But as you can see, it's not as well lit. So I'm not going to use that all the time, but it's my little Mevo camera and I got it to work. So it's just like a real television station. <laughs> Our sponsors tonight, Chris Dental Family Dentistry, where everyone is welcome. Uh, Dr. Bratlin is an awesome guy and he really cares about free speech, uh, which you should too. And uh, he also doesn't think that your uh, back status should determine whether or not you can go to the dentist or not. And believe me, I was just in Oregon and I saw more masks in Oregon in a day than I've seen in Montana in six months. Um, apparently, they're not reading the CDC page. Um, hi, Larice from Philomath. It's good to see you. So we have a great show for you tonight. Our other sponsor, New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness Center. Matt McCardle just got back from a seminar on hyperbarics. And I can't wait to talk to him because he's learned a whole bunch of new things about it. If you've never done it, go over there, tell him you saw it on Rick Dancer. He'll give you a break, especially for your first time. Okay, so those are our sponsors tonight. So what are we going to do? Um, well, I got this friend named Anthony Helms, and he lives in the town where I grew up, but I don't think I don't think we've ever met in person. But we get in these deep conversations and have in the past, and I always like having him on the show, because um, one, he's 29, uh, so you get a millennial perspective, um, not always my age perspective. And I think that's super healthy to talk about things like that and get other people's perspective. Now, I was in Portland this weekend, and seeing my kid. And I think it, it looked better. And I didn't see as much of the homelessness. I didn't see as much of the camping. It's still there, but not as much. It looked clean up. I posted something online and somebody said, well, that's because it's Rose Festival and the parade is Saturday. So they cleaned it up for the parade. So Anthony lives there and he knows. So let's bring Anthony on. Hey, Anthony, how you doing, man? How's it going? Hey, it's good to have you. Thanks, man. So you're 29. Tell people kind of your just Reader's Digest condensed version of who you are. Uh, well, my name is Anthony. I'm 29. I've lived in uh, the greater Portland metro area most of my life. Uh, I was born in Montana uh, and kind of you know grew up back and forth. But for the most part, I've been I've been here in the Portland area for the past 25 years. And okay, so I got people on here said they did the same thing in Eugene for the track and field meet. Clean it up for the perception, and then as soon as that's over, they go back. So tell me, you were you and I were talking the other day, and you were saying you're really concerned about what's going on in Portland and what's happening. And I've had I hooked you up with a website, uh, Real PDX. Um, they monitor things and kind of what's going on. But what? Tell, just let's just talk about it. What are your concerns? Well, I'm concerned with uh, I think first and foremost the drug use that's going on in Portland. Um, the blatant, blatant drug use. The blatant drug use out in the open. Uh, you know, you're trying to get down the sidewalk, and you can't. You can't do that without you know seeing or, or uh, being exposed to somebody doing something on the on the street. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned the Rose Festival um, because just recently Portland got uh, into a lawsuit because they violated the uh, the ADA Act. And so I think a lot of the, 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 the camping ban has to do with that because Ted Wheeler is under a lot of heat. 
oh, because people with disabilities couldn't get up and down the streets in front of businesses because all the camping was, was out in the streets. Exactly. So you think that's what it was? I think it's a big push. I think it's a big push. Um, it, it just makes it just makes sense. So let's talk about the fentanyl. So here, here's a question for you. I, I probably shouldn't put you on the spot this way, but measure 110. How do you think that plays into all of this, which is the measure for those who aren't from Oregon and aren't versed on this. It basically made it. In fact, Bill London, I heard a newscast with him recently, and he said that it, you know, it, they're finding it's actually cops have not issued. So, so the idea was if you get caught with hard drugs, you could take a class or you could pay the fine. And what they're finding is cops, it's, it's such a cluster screw that they're not even issuing tickets. So it, it, it's not even happening. And yet the governor keeps, well, let's try a little longer. You know, you got a failed program that's killed how many people? And now let's keep trying a little longer. Yeah, I've seen firsthand on the streets. So I do a lot of work in, uh, in Portland in multifamily homes. And uh, I've seen firsthand of EMTs getting called out because of an overdose. And it just seems like the you know once somebody gets uh, resuscitated that it, they just get a pat on the back and, and it's like don't do it again. Um, it's uh, measure one ten is it's it's tough. And if you look at the statistics, I was looking on the the statistics the other day, and a couple of months after measure one ten was passed, it it uh, there was a a, a poll. Um, and it was saying that there are 50% more homeless in the streets of Portland since passing measure one. So what does that tell you? I don't know. Uh, there might be a coincidence there. There might not. It feels like what, what Portland, and I, and I hear this in Montana and for other people is, and I, I've even talked to people after measure 110 was passed, I was in Eugene. I'd ask people and they said, well, we were coming here because it's free healthcare, free food. Uh, if you get caught with hard drugs, you don't get in trouble for it. Um, you know, you basically have all your needs taken care of. So that word has spread to the entire country and we've become club med for every, not just homeless person, because this isn't just homeless and the unhoused. It, it doesn't matter what you call it, people. It's like, that's what, does that just drive you crazy? I get so sick of the bullshit language you know, where it's like now it's the unhoused because that sounds nicer. I wonder how nice if that makes it any better to be unhoused or homeless to the poor person who is the homeless person. So we put a better word on it. It makes it maybe that just makes it more comfortable for us because we're not doing anything about it. We're making it worse. And we look out on the streets and we're actually allowing people to suffer on the streets rather than putting in some laws. Most of my drug addict friends or awesome people will tell you that they kept going to jail and finally once they got it, but they had to keep going back to jail. Jail wasn't a bad thing for them. It was their salvation in the end, but it took a while to get there because that's how drugs are. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so, so as a 29 year old guy, what, tell me about hope when you look at the world today hope yeah oh man that's uh it's i mean that that's a hard topic to talk about because i am 29 um do i 
think that there's hope. I hope. I don't know. I hope that the city can heal. I hope that. Uh, I hope that we can make the the you know good choices politically um, to you know heal the city for the betterment of 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 you know society here. Um, and it's just tough right now. It's really tough, and it's infuriating, right? When you see when you see absurd policies go into place. And it just feels like it's not working. And, uh, you know, we're focused on whether whether or not we should call somebody homeless or houseless. Right. Rather than, the, it, she, don't, don't, as, a, as a kid, <laughs> I mean, as an adult, as a 64-year-old, you're an adult too, but as a 64-year-old adult, when I hear people mincing over words, you know, your pronouns or whatever, and I'm thinking, why does any of this really, in the big picture, this is a diversion from us talking about the real issues of what's going on. And for most, I, let's just, I, I would venture to guess from what I've read, most of the people who are homeless on the streets are not, um, they are mentally ill and or on drugs. And that is a fact. And people have whitewashed that for decades and made it and, and then you do a disservice to our our homeless who are homeless because they lost their job or their their wife died or they got sick and those are the people that you know we really need to be taking care of too mm-hmm. and they get melded into all this other stuff and then all in the name of trying to make it look better well guess what it's drug addiction it isn't pretty and yeah. it's destroying our state and our country, because it's not just Oregon and Portland. I mean, you go, I was in Seattle, it's the same thing. Um, you don't see it as much in other places. I mean, you don't see it like that in Montana. You see homeless, but these are truly homeless people in vans that are, you know, it's not the drug addiction as much. Right. So what, right. do you, what, when you look at the, um, I, I, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, you can just say, you know, I'll pass, but where do you, where are you in the political spectrum? If you had to pick a place, I think um, were, I think we talked about this on the on, on the. Yeah, I you know I think it if I had to pick a place, I think I'd be more centrist. Um, there are views on each side that I that I can agree with and and uh, you know see points of views. Um, it's just I can't pick left or right because you know it, it, if you go extreme either way it's i think it's it's detrimental to to you know the the, the bigger picture um so i'm you know i, I kind of lean in and out and uh do what i can to, to keep an open mind and, and listen to folks and listen to policies and, and just kind of you know uh, see what i see and and uh make a a judgment or you know side with with uh policies that way somebody wrote in here you need both wings to fly um and, and steve and i will agree with you you do need both wings to fly but i think sometimes what gets forgotten is what are those wings flying the body and the body is the big hunk of beat in the middle which in oregon now there are more uh, non-affiliated voters in the state. That means no party, none. This isn't even counting independents or anything like that. There are no, more non-affiliated voters in Oregon than there are Democrats and obviously Republicans, but, but more than Democrats. So if people in the middle would stand up and speak out, um, you could change Oregon. 
I mean, you really could, you could change it. If people would just say, um, what is kindness? You know, I, I said this once on a blog one time, I said, is it kind to allow people to, to suffer in the streets of Eugene? And people said, Oh, you're, you're, you hate the homeless. No, but let's just get back to the topic. Is that fair to not treat them for their mental illness that they have or the drug addiction that they have? And you know what I think it is, Anthony, and I want to know what you think. I sometimes wonder, I don't think they know what to do. So they just back off. They just go to the easiest thing, which is to do nothing. And yeah. then they create, you know, shitty housing for them, or they make an area for them to camp their crappy camp stuff and allow them to do that because they don't really know what else to do. So how many millions of dollars do we spend doing that rather than putting that money into something that really could help them? And there are people out there who know how to really help them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there, yeah, there are programs, there are programs out there. I just don't think that we, we utilize them um, or put enough funds or effort or energy into them. Um, what's worse than, than doing nothing, I think, is what we've cultivated here in Portland, uh, bringing it back to, to measure 110. I mean, we, we've made it a safe space for people to essentially, you know, do what they're doing in the open without any repercussion, I think. Okay, I'm going to run a couple of commercials and come back. Stephen says something else to mention is the cost of housing and rent that is continuously going up. So I'm going to talk to a 29 year old dude, not be you, um, about what that looks like. Okay, so hang on just a second. Did you know that light therapy could alleviate your pain? There's been over 60 years of study into light therapy. Blue light really works well with the skin. Red light penetrates down into the muscles to really help with muscle recovery from workouts. Infrared can go bone deep through the skull into the brain and can help promote blood flow, which can help with mental, mental clarity. It's new light pads. They're called the Deep Light Therapy Pads. They're infrared only. They're really good for targeting areas of the body to really get deep penetration into large muscles, down to the bones, work with muscle soreness and joint pain alleviation. This guy's really good. Shannon is the best interest I've ever seen. He's, he was coming in on Fridays, and now he's coming on Fridays and Monday. But everybody that leaves uh, with him, uh, I, he always has me come. He goes, come here, because I'll come in on Fridays. He's like, and they look absolutely beautiful. They, uh, the patients, there's hardly any redos. Like, I, I wish, and I probably will advertise a lot just to get him some momentum, but he is so good. He's the best centurist I've ever met. Yeah, his his outcomes because you know you make denture and they don't fit very well, they don't look very good. He's awesome. Not only does he, you know, take the impressions. He um, yeah, there's a lot of art to taking impressions, but he's also he also makes the dentures. Um, he, he's a, he's fantastic. I love having him. He's made my life a lot easier because I don't have to worry about dentures anymore. All right, joining me, Anthony Helms, friend of mine from Portland area. Uh, he and I were talking the other day and I said, oh, man, you'd be a great show. So talk to me as a 29-year-old guy. 
um, housing costs. What, tell me about your life. How that? How much of your bills pay for housing? I mean, what's it, what's it like up there for? It's tough. It's tough. Um, you know, it's uh, it definitely is really high. Uh, I've contemplated. You know, every time I think about wanting to buy a house, I'm looking at the market. And right now is a terrible time to buy a house because interest rates are up and housing prices are still up. But you know, every time I think about that, I I, I think that I you know. I, I don't know if it's obtainable for me, so I don't think it's really an option. But I, I think it is. Um, rent is through the roof. Uh, you know, we're 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 in an inflation period still in the country, so that doesn't help. Um, it just kind of feels like the whole United States is just kind of being you know squeezed financially. Um, but beyond the inflation period and beyond COVID, I think rent was already on the rise. And uh, it was a topic that I had always, you know, talk about with my friends, and and it had always come up. And and uh, yeah, it's a real concern. I think. What do you uh, guys think the problem is? What do you? Where do you attribute some of the, the problems? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, uh, I'm not sure. Greed, <laughs> um, monopoly. Okay, tell um, me more. The greed from who? Who? Uh, well, you know, you got people that come in and, and buy houses at large quantities, you know, property management groups, people with a lot of money that buy houses at large quantities just to, to make a profit. Um, and, and, uh, you know, when that happens, rent goes up and people, people are paying for it, but people are also suffering for it. So, so how do you think in terms of, let me, I'm going to offer you some other um, I, I agree with you. I think there's some of that going on. Oh, and people are, I don't know if you can see the comments over there. I can't. <laughs> so people are saying Zillow's buying up homes, companies buying properties. I know one big problem is that, um, you know, folks buy up uh, extra properties in places and then rent them out, um, you know, for Airbnbs and that's that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and that's probably not the bigger problem. Let me throw a couple things out there and see what you think, because here's sure. some things I think are causing that too, is Oregon has some of the toughest zoning laws and development fees that you can find anywhere. And you have to go in and, you know, to build a house, how much of a builder, how much is a builder putting into curbs, the right kind of trees, the look, everything they're doing. And sure, it's beautiful, but that tags on, he, he or she is going to tag that onto the cost of that house, which then drives the price up even more. Um, and, and that I think is a huge problem. And so you have what, what bugs me sometimes, Anthony, is you've got these cities always blaming landlords and property owners, which I think they have, their, their, there is some blame there, but, but then it's like, well, and, and then the city, the next city council meeting, they jack up the development fees again and they get a pass, you know, and, and here's another one for you that I think is something to think about that people your age should be thinking about too. Timber, houses are built with lumber. And when, when more and more restrictions in Oregon, especially I'm doing a series called The Truth About Timber, with restrictions on timber cutting and what you can take, um, it drives the cost of lumber up and that drives, but then with the cities and the activists do is then, then point everybody, well, those big greedy timber companies, well, you know, you, they're, they're, the, the amount of money they're putting into their product is because you keep making it harder and harder for them to get it and pay their people to do it. So it seems like 
there's a lot of dishonesty. I think your landlord thing is right in there with the mix, but I think there's a lot of dishonesty when it comes to um, people, you know, and, and, and it's so easy. I try to do a project. So let me ask you this, and I want you to be really honest with me. What do you think of the timber industry? And, and, and be honest with you, you know what I think, then that's fine. And you and I are, we're friends, and you know I would never dislike you for having a different opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I know enough to, to really have a say in it. Um, but if we're, if we're, if we're doing, if we're putting restrictions on timber, um, and we're making it harder to come by, um, then, you know, that, that, that potentially, you know, uh, is due course for an issue. And do you, have you ever heard that before? Lumber? Yeah. I mean, have you heard that that could be part of the problem? I'm, I'm asking. I, you know, I actually don't think I have. And somebody, Stephen's on here and he says, and the timber issue also adds fuel to the forest fires. And I think, let me ask you this. And um, did you know that timber, so when you cut down a tree, it stores carbon. So it, the carbon, so you know that trees are the best carbon sequester we have on the planet. Like they're made to suck carbon in they store it into a log and then it stays there forever until that log rots or burns. So when you burn, when that tree burns, then all that carbon is put back into the atmosphere and brings about more climate change. When you, when it's alive, even when you cut it like your walls right now, all of your walls, those two by sixes in your walls are storing carbon. So just the fact that you live in a wood framed home and have wooden doors, you're, you're like an environmental guy. I mean, you're storing carbon for the world. And, and yet a lot of the environmental community fights timber harvest of storing that carbon. And then they leave it on the ground, which then starts all these forest fires. Did you know the forest fires over Labor Day a couple of years ago, all those fires we had, those put more carbon in the air than all the automobiles and industries in Oregon combined for a year oh i believe it that's how much carbon went in the air and see and i don't think anthony that people are being educated about that and it's not you know i'm not trying to put you on the spot i love sure. this is my favorite kind of conversation because i hear people giving answers and and it's not like but, but but the other side of the story has never been told and people don't know well have let me ask you a question. Didn't didn't uh, like a couple of years ago we cut funding on like forest maintenance? Like we stopped forest maintenance. Like that's a huge thing too for to 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 reduce forest fires, right? Right. Well, well, remember that that the original the reason that some of these rules were put into place in the '90s um, when President Clinton wrote these rules about the spotted owl, it was to protect the spotted owl habitat. Here's the ironic thing. The forest fires in the McKinsey River area down by Eugene Springfield, those mm -hmm. fires, because they didn't do anything, because they let the wood sit there and turn into crispy critter matches, it caught on fire and burned. And most of the spotted owl habitat they were trying to protect in the McKinsey Valley is now gone. So their mismanagement is really what destroyed the very thing they were trying, allegedly trying to, to save. And then in the midst of it, every fall, you and I, even here in Montana, we've already had it from Alberta because they have crappy forest management there. So we've had the same thing New York had. And you guys know, when, you know, do you remember when you were a kid, did you ever, did your parents ever plan a vacation around smoke? 
like, you know, oh, we can't go that time of year because there's going to be smoke. No. <laughs> Me either. And it's like all of a sudden now this has become the new norm. And yet every time there's a fire like that, not only is it destroying habitat and fish habitat and streams, all that guck that goes into the streams, it's destroying timber that we could be using to build homes, to make affordable homes for people again. Right. What do you, you what, what do you think of, um, and you could just be really honest with this is super fun. <laughs> I mean, I, this is like my dream. It's like just having conversations like this and seeing what people are thinking. Um, what is, um, what do you think of what's going on with Biden and Trump right now? And you don't have to tell me who you think is right or who you think is wrong. But I mean, as a kid, as a 29 year old, what are you thinking of the world right now when you see um, two, you know, we live, we live in this diverse America. So the only two people we can find to vote for is two old white men. <laughs> what does that say about the world we live? We're not diverse. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be really honest with you. After Please. after COVID, uh, I kind of checked out of politics. Really? Uh, what does that mean? I get, I get, I get news articles on, on the happenings of what's going on. Like, I think Trump just got arraigned today or something like that. I just, you know, I spent a lot of time and energy during that, that those two and a half, three years that uh, I just kind of took a break from everything um, on on a, the bigger scale of politics. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. So, so why did you take a break? I mean, I think you and I, I both, think, you and I both have had similar struggles in our life. Yeah. I think I just mentally needed a break from, from the politics, from, uh, you know, the extremists on either side, you know, not being able to have a conversation like we're having right now. You, because you, uh, you know it's, it's my way, or you're you're the, you're wrong. You're the bad guy. Right? Is it? Was it okay? So let me let me go. Let me bore down a little bit. Was it out of fear of what people would think of you? Not necessarily. With, I, with you, I knew it wasn't. But I wanted not to necessarily. It's just it's just draining. It's it's exhausting. You know. And uh, do you believe? Do you believe the news? Uh. <laughs> Not really. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I see headlines. Stephen um, Felix is on here, and I'm just saying, I'm giving you some stuff. Laura West is a friend of mine. She comes on here. Old men are out of touch. And then Stephen says, you're exactly right, Anthony, about, you know, being just exhausted. People don't talk. They scream and name call. That's Anthony and I were talking about that, Stephen, before we came on here, is what I tire of the most is that, I, and Anthony's the same way. We, we, we can like each other and care about each other despite whether we disagree or not. And I, I'm so tired of being, uh, people trying to coerce me into the, like, and, and I'm gonna blame the left on this one because I've dealt with right pe people on the right. I don't feel like, they may not, they don't try to push you into their opinion. They think you're stupid and walk away. But I feel like sometimes my friends on the left, it's like, if you don't believe what I believe, I'm going to keep talking at you. I'm going to call you any name I can until you do, because you have to, because I'm so fucking arrogant. I'm right. And it drives me. I'm done with it. I'm just done with it. I don't care anymore. Um, I'm like you. I didn't, I know that Trump was being indicted today. My job is to keep aware of what's going on. And I was out there running along a pond and I went, 
I am not going to turn it on because I don't even want to know. I'm, I need, you know, I need, I have a friend one time and he said, you know, Rick, don't let them rob you of your peace. They can take a lot of things from you, but when you let them have your peace, then you've given them everything. And I just can't, I mean, you're a deep guy, right? Don't you think? Uh, possibly. <laughs> I think so. I think you're too, I think that's why I wanted you on here. I think you're super deep. Um, and you're not afraid to go to those hard places um, because, um, and part of that's our past uh, because we were forced to go into hard places and now slipping that way. Do you think, as you, as you get older, like 29, do you find now when you slip into the hard place that it's not that bad? Not that I want to go there or I want to visit it. I'd rather stay in the better place. But when I get there, I know there's a way out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, uh, I think with, uh, with time um, and just experience and just, you know, living, um, it, it's easier. Sure. How does your art play into that? Because you guys, just in case you want to know, um, Anthony's like an amazing photographer. And he takes what, what I love about your work is you take pictures and, and videos and you, you stretch me. Like I, it's like, I have to, I have to kind of go. Farther. <laughs> I, you, Anthony, it's not somebody's page. You're going to turn on. Do you, do you agree? Is this what you're trying to do? So to get people to, to, to just to, to, to feel something or think about things. Yeah. I mean, uh, and a lot of, a lot of, my photography is my outlet for my stressors, right? So yeah. um, I enjoy the process. It's a long process and, and uh, it helps clear my mind, kind of like, you know, running around the pond could be for you. Um, it's just one of those things that I can just forget about everything and get to work. Is it kind of a way that you expose the inner sides of yourself without telling too much? Because people get you get you give me room to figure it out, but you're but you're that's you're laying your 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 naked ass on on the table, and I don't mean that literally. I mean <laughs> you're you're taking everything off, you're putting it into this creation, and then watching how people you know not dependent on how they serve how they how they take it, but you're really putting your your heart out there and dang yeah. It. I'd say I put a lot of myself in my work. Absolutely. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, enjoyable for me to, to see how people react and, and talk about it, you know, when I post those. So what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> uh, you, uh, you know, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I don't want a practical, don't be practical with me, please. Uh, <laughs> no, no fire, no firemen. No, no, no firemen or policemen, especially a policeman right now. You might easy job to death, but wow, what a cost. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think I would like to uh, really push myself to um, do something with my arts. Like, you know, we were talking earlier. I think, uh, you know, in the long term, I'd like to be um, – independent and and kind of branch into like graphic design and and in my photography a little bit more so uh, when i do a, a lot of lives on other places and different spots and i get guys your age on there and you know the question they always ask me what's that they always ask me what would your 63 year old self tell your 29 year old self and i find that the most um 
motivating and for me, the most powerful question. It's just, I, I, I love young people because of that, because I think there, there's a lot of people out there, I think, struggling to see their value and in their twenties and thirties. So what, what would your, yourself tell your younger self now? What I always tell them, and yeah. this is, this is my honest, honest answer. It, it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay because I never thought I was going to be okay. I never thought I, I thought I wanted to be a journalist. I never thought I'd be one. And I got, I, you know, I, I have failed more in my life than I've ever succeeded. And the failures were way more powerful than the succeeding. Um, and I've, I've fallen on my ass so much. And, um, and you just, you know what it, what it is, I think it's just refusing to, to stop. It's just being, maybe I'm stupid. And you just are always looking for something different. You know what I mean? Always going, okay, that didn't work. So let's pivot just a little, not turn around. Sometimes I've had to turn around and walk the other way, but sometimes it's just a pivot and go that way. And, and it's, I feel like my, you know, like life is like a dance. And so every, you're just dancing in this. And what I hate about the current culture is it's coming in and saying, not the two-step, you have to foxtrot. And it's like, fuck you. I don't have to foxtrot. I can two-step if I want to. And they, everybody, they, they, they want you, you know, oh, we just love creativity as long as it measures the way we see it. And that's what I like about your work is, and, and people like you is I think it's like, go do the thing that makes you come alive and come alive. There's enough people walking around dead um, who have no life. They just want to retire. They just can't wait. Uh, you know, how many people I know in their 30s and 40s, we're just working through retirement. So you're going to give up 20 years of your life so you can so you can retire. And then you're going to retire. And two years later, you're going to die. Um, that's not the way I want to live. And so that's the thing I say to them. What do you as a 29 year old say to a 64 year old, almost 64 year old? That's a hard question. That's a hard question. That's a hard question. I don't know. Um, putting me on the spot there, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't answer, um, you don't have to, but I think you can find some. I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. So here's a thought we can have. <laughs> it is so funny. Is you and I <laughs> sitting here having a conversation. There's people sitting here watching, and we're just acting like there's nobody here. We're just kind of having this little talk. <laughs> But um, I, so I was at my son's, my nephew's wedding and um, this big dude comes up, I don't know him, and he's really tall. He's probably in his twenties or something. And he says, you ran for secretary of state, didn't you? And I said, yeah. He goes, I saw how hard that was. I said, oh, well, thank you. He goes, no, we, we need you to just, and he, went, he wasn't like some right winger or anything like that. He was just the guy who goes, uh, we, we need, we need you. And, and he, I mean, the way he was looking at me, it was like just in my face and really unusual for a 20 something to be looking at an old man and saying that, and then he goes, thank you for, for what you did. Cause I, cause I noticed and I was like, and that kid probably does not even know, but I could not stop thinking about that. And I'm still having to stop thinking about it. Because you know what a 69 year old needs to hear from a 20 something is I saw what you did. I'm following, I'm leading my own path, but I realized you were here to blaze one. 
And I need to be doing that to all the 79 year olds. And they need to be doing that to the 99 year olds to go. Cause we all need that, that, um, oh, what is it? Just to see that, you know, you know those days, Anthony, when you're doing shit and you go, nobody saw, nobody noticed. I put so much time into that video and no, it just went over everybody's head and all sitting there going, what the hell's up? You know, and you go, <laughs> you need, I think, to know um, that, that people, that they noticed what you did. And here I am, you know, I'm pretty secure in who I am and what I do, but here's this nondescript dude just telling me he's a cop or something. He said, I'm a cop somewhere, but telling, looking at me and the way he looked at me was real serious. And it was like, I, I noticed what you did. And it's like, who says that? So I wonder if like, if we were to go around and, and you know, you know, I think sometimes little things change big things. And, and I think that's why you and I get along. Cause I look at your work and I notice what you do and, and I admire that. And I think to hear that, I think that's why, why God puts us here and what we're supposed to be doing and is encouraging people instead of tearing everybody down and, and, you know, noticing what people are doing and how they're, you know, cause this is like a big story, I think, you know, and you and I somehow, I don't even know how we met, but you and I just connected and we've never met in person, have we? Yeah. yeah. Not, I don't think so. No. And so, and, and yet we just, we just connected and, and a lot of it, if, if, the audience doesn't even know this, but, you know, but a lot of it was like, really, there's some deep things going on in your life. And, and yeah, I mean, somehow we just connected about parents and people dying and all that stuff. And we just needed that moment together. And I think it's funny how, boom, and then it just seals the deal because it's been two or three years since we just, it's not like we talk every week. It's like two or three years later and we're going, boom, we're right back where we started. Yeah. <laughs> That's the well, cool thing about life. It really is. It really is. And uh, I appreciate that. And uh, I thank you for that. And I see, I see what you did. Well, I, I see what you did for me. I mean, we, that was a connection. I needed that connection too, to do whatever it is I have to do. You know what I mean? So Anthony, this is way more fun than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, was great, man. But I, you know, and I think it's really healthy for my audience. Um, to see these are the kind of conversations you have and get deep and don't worry about what people think. You know what I mean? I, I stopped worrying about telling people I love them a long time ago. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't, I just don't worry about it. I was telling a friend of mine, I had to go to the urologist. We don't need to talk about that. So I was telling him what I was asking the urologist. He goes, you said that? And I go, yes, I, I went and paying money. I want to know. So I asked, you know, and I think if we all had that attitude a little bit more that, you know, the world would be a little bit better place. So. I think so too. Well, keep in contact with me. Um, is any parting thoughts you have? Uh, no, I don't think so, man. I, that, like, like you said, this was really fun. Um, I had a great time and I appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah. Till we'll next time. It. We'll do it again. And if you, you know, if you guys want to see Anthony's works, Anthony Helms, H-E-L-M-S. And he's on Instagram. He's on Facebook. Mostly Instagram, though. Yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, mostly Instagram. Mostly Instagram. Go on there. You can find his work and say, and, and uh, if you're if you're a person who's looking for deep, you'll find something there. If you're afraid of deep, it might not be the best place for you. <laughs> <laughs> I tell people all the time, feel free to not be here because <laughs> you just make things really uncomfortable, and then then you shouldn't be here or jump in. <laughs>
Anthony Helms, thanks again. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you, Rick. I will see you later. So here's my challenge to you. Um, go find an Anthony Helms. Go find a young person. I was at a conference recently, and they said, you need to start being involved in people's lives. Um, you know, the, there's a whole generation of kids growing up, and they don't feel the value, you know? And I think us, us adults need to feel the value, just like I was telling you. So if we all start doing that, just think how we can change the world and do things. And, um, you know, I know they get a bad rap, um, millennials and stuff, but uh, that dude's working and trying to find his dream. And we need to find ways to lower housing costs and get people off the street and clean it up so he can feel safe too. Um, not that he's scared, but just to feel like you live in a, a nice community, not a shithole, you know? Nobody wants to live in a shithole. Tomorrow night, gonna challenge you again. I got a guy, uh, Jack, I don't know much about him. He's an old hippie. Um, and he is super interesting, very politically opposite of me. And that's why we're having him on. Um, I have no idea where that conversation is going to go, but I'm ready to do some challenging things and stop doing the same old shit. So we're going to bring some stuff on. And then on Thursday, super cool show on an adaptive program that's helping veterans here in Helena, Montana. Uh, through exercise and community building. And I'm going to have a veteran on there and I'm going to have the people with the program. It's, a, it's just an awesome program where they're using a gym to kind of connect people. But it's, it's more than just like a workout thing. This is, you know, we got a lot of veterans. How many veterans are killing themselves like you wouldn't believe? And um, we need to stop that because these people fought for us to have freedom, not the freedom we have today, but the freedom we're going to have tomorrow. And uh, so I like that. I think you'll like the show too. Um, all right, share this on your page. Let other people see it. Thank our sponsors, Cristiano Family Dentistry, New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness Center. We'll be back tomorrow night. Have a great evening.